Taking Stock with Mandy Johnston on News Talk. It's Christmas! Welcome to the special edition of Taking Stock and we're celebrating all things Christmas this morning. It's Christmas Eve and we're on the final stretch now so you're either flying out to the shops to do that last minute bit of Christmas shopping or just trying to get your house and your family in order. But whatever you're doing, we're here to keep you company for the next hour. And I've got some of the News Talk family with me. We're going to be talking about the toys that became a Christmas craze. We're going to be talking about the best-selling Christmas songs of all times and the movies that did well at the box office at Christmas. Helping me to do all of this is our own little tech Tinkerbell and host of News Talks Tech Talks. It's Jess Kelly to talk about our best-selling toys and gadgets. Jess, you're welcome to Taking Stock. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. We have our movie buff extraordinaire and host of Screen Time. It's John Fardy telling us all about film and box office success. You're very welcome to the studio, John. Huh? <laughs> Thank funny. you, Mandy. Lovely to be here. I wanted to talk about debt to equity ratio if we could, because I'm on take. <laughs> <laughs> That's next week. That's next week. So, and we also have with us our man about town and country, Henry McKean, reporter and presenter here at News Talk. He's going to be talking us through the Christmas tunes that broke all of the records. Henry, you've had quite an exciting year. You've been at the Oscars. You've had your selfie taken with Joe Biden and you've of course become an Irish citizen this year. I have and I just want to say thank you because you were there for that selfie. That's why I brought it up. Enormous. And if it wasn't for you it wouldn't have happened because I'm a man I only can do one thing at a time and all I could do was try and get the president's attention and get a selfie whereas you filmed the whole thing and actually um, helped hugely and gave me the confidence to do it. So thank you. And it's been an exciting year, absolutely. I'm becoming an Irish citizen. As somebody said in evoke.ie that this is my first Irish Christmas. It's actually my 33rd, but it's, it's my first as a as a, an Irish citizen. So yeah, it's been great. And obviously we'll see you at the Oscars next year. You'll be coming with me. I will be there, but who knows who I'll be playing yet. (laughs) Jess, let's kick off today. I want to have a discussion about the toys that have become a Christmas craze um, over the last couple of decades, okay? Mm -hmm. So maybe before we get into the toys, what is it that, I suppose if we knew the answer to this question, we'd all be millionaires, but what is it that turns something from an ordinary toy at Christmas into something that people go crazy for have to have it. You know what? It's changed significantly over the years. And I think if you look back to the 80s in particular, what really made a craze was the advertising. Mm. And there's no better example than the Rubik's Cube. Yeah, and we've got an example of that advertising uh, here now. Just have a listen to this. Sure, Sir Isaac Newton unraveled the mysteries of gravity. But could he have unraveled the mysteries of Rubik's Cube? Three weeks ago, Judge Smith retired to her chambers with Exhibit A, Rubik's Cube. She hasn't been seen since. Warning, once you get your hands on Rubik's Cube, you may never be able to put it down. Rubik's Cube, over three billion combinations, but just one solution from Ideal. John, you're you're a child of the 80s like myself. Do you remember the Rubik's Cube? Did you have one? Could you do it? I did. And to this day, right, and this sounds like I'm, you know, hyperbole for the purposes of radio. I have never even completed a side on it. Same. I am the most unmathematical. That doesn't surprise me in the least. Thank you very much. (laughs) But my kids have them now and they've done, there's different versions Mm. of them now and 3D ones and they're still baffling. But like my fear is if I was, you know, the world depended on me. It was going to blow up. I cannot do a side. I just can't get the one baby. side. You can't no, do one side. Do yeah, one I side. could get four, but not the last. But I, this is a desperate admission that I'm now going to make. This Come is on. how competitive I am, and also 
how much I cheat at things like games. <laughs> I once tried to pick the stickers off oh, of the yeah. two yeah. sides that I could. Oh, everyone's done yeah. that, have they? Not me. I've no, done that. No. Yeah. Really? You know, Gavin Riley, our former colleague, can yeah. do it in like seven seconds. Yeah, that, that's that his party piece. That also do doesn't them. surprise the me. Whole thing? Also the whole thing. The whole thing. He is a genius. I, I can play the piano. It's not all about you. So you think that, that in the 80s, the big difference here was the marketing, the advertising. It was the, and I think, you know, if you, if you look back to the way the ads were, it's like the music video back in that time as well. It was everything. It was the way you connected with people and things like Rubik's Cube later on uh, in the eighties as well. Things like Cabbage Patch Dolls, which were massive. Massive. Did you have a Cabbage Patch Doll, John? John? Doll? No. Doll? No. No. They were huge. I mean, we didn't have them, but like quickly back. What do you mean we didn't have them? As I came of a family of of four boys. Oh, I thought you meant in England they they weren't there. Oh, they were everywhere okay, they were yeah. everywhere but you'd go around to a friend's house and uh, your friend's sister would have them and they were massive but like but very quickly back to the Rubik's Cube I was on the Paris Metro during the Rugby World Cup and there was someone the actually, name dropping and the location with, dropping yeah. here is shocking the Rubik's oh, yeah. Cube there was an actual teenager with the Rubik's Cube and he was doing it really really quickly in an unironic way he was actually just enjoying it yeah. so yeah they're still popular they are still popular but what's really sad now is that a lot of the toys that are popular today I don't think we have the same you know must have on your Santa list the way we did even when I was younger like I really wanted a baby born mm. I got one and I loved it I really wanted a Tamagotchi and mm. I got one and I had to I woke up one night this is really sad I woke up one night at 10 o'clock at night bawling, crying and I went into the sitting room to my mum and dad and I was like you have to throw them away because I'm so worried they're going to die I was so worried that I wasn't going to be able to look after my you Tamagotchis I had to just they're still big wow. Tamagotchis they've made a comeback three kids well with two of them yeah they're still around but it's and because they're big on social media this yeah. is the thing now young kids are watching other kids unbox toys and what, well, what was the premise of the Tamagotchi was it just to keep this thing alive by charging it or what loving no, it or I never really was into you had to feed it you had to I think you let it out there was like four buttons on it and you had like a virtual animal um, and you had to yeah feed it every few hours it was like having a digital child uh, but I just found maybe it was like foreshadowing the rest of my life <laughs> the anxiety and stress of looking after it I could barely look after myself so I just chucked them in the bin yeah and this is an interesting fact they were originally designed for teenage girls to give them an idea of what it would be like to take care of a child and you, again I put mine in the bin so take from that what you will <laughs> can I just you didn't pick up what Jess said or maybe you chose not to but I'd like to you just yeah, go ahead and, about... and criticise my interviewing skills go well, on you know. chicken <laughs> She's mentioned about there's people watching people unbox toys. Mm. This is bananas. My kids are watching this all the time. You see a guy taking a dinosaur out of a box and they watch this and there's YouTubers who've done like hours of this. It's absolutely... Oh, it's huge. There's YouTube like, kids. It's Sorry, what, I, like, this is literally this the is, first I've heard of so this. So this is like there are literally kids sitting at home watching other kids on YouTube sitting at home unboxing toys to the point that toy companies there's one called Ryan's I was just going to say this is a business-ish programme yeah. Yeah. business-ish fact ish, ish, ish very ish today yeah. uh, Ryan's World so Ryan is a young kid who unboxed toys on YouTube and he now has a net worth of 140 million US dollars. Unbelievable. And if you walk into any of the big toy yeah. shops around the world, you'll now see Ryan's World branded toys. Yeah. So you buy these big eggs that can be 40 quid filled with tat. But kids love them. They go home and they pretend that they're now unboxing as if Ryan's World. So it's a bit like the original YouTube. Late Late Toy Show because that's why kids like the toy show. It's kids. Yeah, because they're getting toys. the rush of someone enjoying mm. the first. Yeah. Yeah. So thing. when you were growing up, Henry, did you have a must-have 
in well, the year that you were like, yeah, I, I want this. And like, a transformer. Always wanted they were transformer. huge, weren't they? Transformers huge. I did huge. get transformers from friends and relatives. But my mum didn't like Transformers because she said they were crass and American. So she took them back to the shop and instead <gasps> I was given story tapes. Uh, and, and to this day, it's still... Um, well, you're a of, storyteller now, so it all worked well, out. Well, yeah, well, maybe. But he could have been a Transformer. Exactly, which is kind of dull. And actually, here in, in, in News Talk, uh, Sean Moncree for my birthday actually bought me a Transformer. Um, and I let my child uh, watch as many Transformer movies as he possibly can, even though they're 12 adults. And John, this is it. Like, all those toys from the 80s, mm. like, transferring into movies now. Transformers, yeah. huge. Transformers, they've made some decent movies of them as well. Some terrible ones. There's one called Bumblebee. Oh, that's Bumblebee. amazing. Ago, that was yeah. actually really good and the kids love it and the adults mm. love it as well my toy of choice not that you asked me as of yet but as a child was <laughs> go on Star Wars so for about oh my six, god we're only eight minutes yeah, in and he's got Star it in already no, but this is the thing fan? and it was the genius of George Lucas and all to realise that's how he made all his money the toys mm, but for about nice. six years that's all Santa brought me every year religiously Star Wars stuff mm. Jess just back to the, the, the toys and I want to talk a little bit about when tech started yeah. to come into toys because now it seems very basic but things like the Nintendo and well, the old school Game Boy the but, Game Boy but you know what was huge as well and it was educational as well as technological was VTech. I don't know what that around. is. Oh, yes. So yeah. VTech is an educational company and they brought out uh, laptops. My dad still has my one in the shed because I can't throw anything out. Yeah, I have a VTech laptop and you used to play these spelling games. It's kind of like Hangman, but on a laptop. So it looked like the laptop that's in front of me here now, but it could only play three or four games on it. And VTech, they're still, as I said, around now, they make a lot of baby toys, um, educational toys that you'd sort of parrot back or the baby would parrot back, whatever the teddy bear says to you and so on. Mm. But bit by bit, the technology came in. The big things were the Game Boy and the iterations of the Game Boy over the years, like the Game Boy Color. Santa brought me one of those a few years ago. And again, I still have it in my apartment because I can't throw anything out. Um, But I think when technology came into it, it really upped the, the... I suppose the expectation because it's it's for Santa and the elves they're high quality items to produce mm. to make sure yeah, that they get to, to, mm. to boys and girls um, but also I thought it brought a lot a bit more longevity because mm. the technology devices are stuff that you can use all year round I know one year I got the Barbie camper van and wow. I used it for a good six days and then you get bored of things and move on Yeah. whereas the tech gifts I think they did stick and people got more into them for a longer period of time. But in the mid-90s, my youngest sister got a Furby. Did you ever have Furbies? Well, the Furbies, yeah. I never got one, though. They They are horrific. (laughs) So that was tech, cuddly toy, and I suppose an innovative device all in one. Mm. But it was the absolute worst. I don't know, like, I know you guys have young kids. You know toys that make sounds Mm. and talk back at you? Does anybody remember a game called Simon? It was an electronic game and there were four colours on it, the primary colours, and you'd have to replicate the patterns of the sounds. No, no. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes, yes. I was talking about things that drive people mad with sound. I wanted one of those for Christmas one year and I got it. And it seems so like high tech and sophisticated. And I drove 
Uh, can you? For twenty four ninety nine. Wow. Well, I drove everybody absolutely bananas with it to the point where I actually think they hid it just a couple of days after Christmas. <laughs> no, no, I would do that to my son sometimes. Now, <laughs> John and Henry, you both both have, have children and Santa will have his list um, and hopefully have access to everything that, that people want. But it's not always the case that you can get everything. Have you ever had a situation at Christmas where there's just something that you just can't get, John? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, there's been there's been all sorts of stuff over the years. There was something big from two years ago that I can't remember, and we had gotten word from Santa, and Santa wow. had told a load of kids it wasn't happening. I can't remember what it was for the life of me, but this was panic stations. But if you give the kids enough notice that Santa's struggling with making something, that mm. usually, but it's 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 early notice is the thing to do, you know. Mm, Henry, let them down. I think this year Santa pretty much has, has got there. Good. Uh, but for, yeah. for my wife, um, she wanted this perfume and I just want to say sorry. Um, <laughs> well, no, 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 don't say sorry it's yet. Coming. It's only, it's only um, not after yeah. nine on Christmas You've Eve. You've got plenty of time. Uh, Joe, this is when most men actually start Joe, their shopping. I, Joe Malone, Joe I started Malone, yesterday. Joe Malone um, sold out to a big company and then she set up her own company called Joe Loves. Yeah. And she's got this perfume called Pomelo and it's only available in one shop and they're sold out and they've been out for two weeks and Santa just can't get it. So. Uh, look, I have every confidence that where Santa fails, yeah, yeah. you will not. Anyway, Jess, yes. um, back to uh, the, the mommies and daddies now mm. who might be a bit nostalgic today thinking about toys from yesteryear. Is there anything else that stuck out for you when you were looking back at this list? Do as you know what's, what jumps out is the, the longevity of board games. Mm. You know, back in the day, it used to make my heart so happy to see a board game at the side of the chimney. So Santa left all the toys for myself and my siblings and then there'd always be a board game, which would no doubt cause absolute havoc later on in the day. Oh, I love a fight. Oh, I love a fight. But things like... stick around (laughs) because there might be one here very soon. (laughs) But Monopoly, Henry, you recently showed me your old... I absolutely love it. See what I did there? See what I did there? Very good. Great segue there. Very good. I'm very good at what I do. You are. Um, But I do love Monopoly and we, we used to play it a lot and sometimes when I'd get really upset, I would... Um, scream and shout and kick everything off the table if I wasn't winning. Or... I used to eat the houses. Because... What? Yeah. Them. The wooden ones or the plastic ones? The plastic ones. I used they're, to chomp on them if I was losing. You. Okay, if anyone's listening into this, <laughs> we're not recommending that, that time of activity yes. later. I did have an old one, a 1960s one, a London one, and I love it. Really? Uh, and the thing is, in the Irish one, Drimla is the brown colour. Yeah. Well, no one can afford to live in Drimla these days. No, absolutely. Um, uh, where, you know, no one can afford to live anywhere. Well, that's true. And then the London ones are crazy prices too. But uh, no, I just, I love Monopoly. I could play it all day. But you know about board games? Like, I think they have a greater use now more than ever because some of these, like there's going to be a lot of gadgets and particularly screen orientated mm. games in our house that Santa's going to bring this year. And the idea that you can get them off and we're all going to play in this yeah. board game where no one is looking at any screen. Like I know I sound like old man shouts. But can you do that? Like, yeah, you, yeah. You if you find the right board game, mm. they, they but, get into it. But they also don't have to be that sophisticated because I've got nibblings who are uh, almost nine, seven, four and two. And it's just about trying to find the right thing that captures their imagination. The best thing I bought this year is little flashcards and it had Matilda on the front of it. Mm. And we literally make up games with them. So it's all the letters of the alphabet. There's hundreds of cards there. And you can do things like just flashing it up in the first one to say a word with it Mm. or or the older kids can spell words out with it. And it's the simplicity of it Mm. and it's the togetherness of it and it's the attention span that just blows me away every time. And that's it. Something simple, isn't it, that people can get? There's a card game called Uno. Yeah. Have Mm. you come across it? No, I haven't. It's it's just a variation on, I don't know, 
like it's a glorified snap of exactly, sorts. Exactly, yeah. But it's just delightful and you get cards and you can stack on top and someone has to pick up eight and an hour can and get them off the screen and they're not on yes. yeah screens. yeah and that's what it's all about really isn't it just spending some time together oh, and engaging the screen is very handy yeah. it's like modern babysitting I know I shouldn't say that no definitely <laughs> well look some great suggestions there and Jess thank you very much for taking us through all of that um, you're listening to a very special edition of Taking Stock I'm here in studio with John Fardy Henry McKean and Jess Kelly and we'll be back after the break with the best selling Christmas songs of all time. You're welcome back to Taking Stock. This is a special Christmas Eve edition and I'm here in studio with Jess Kelly, Henry McKean and John Farty and we're talking about the best selling Christmas songs of all time now. So Henry, um, we're going to start with a, a very, very special song here in Ireland, particularly this year. Christmas Eve, babe, in the drunk tank, an old man said to me, won't see another one, and then I sang a song, the rare old mountain dew, I turned my face away. Henry, the, that was obviously the fairy tale of New York with Shane McGowan and Kirsty McCall and very poignant this year. We're looking at the top selling Christmas songs of all times. It's very important that we understand that the way we listen to music has changed substantially over the years. And that matters really, doesn't it, when we're looking at what makes the best selling Christmas song of all time. Yeah, Mandy, just hearing fairy tale of New York, they're quite moving. Uh, and I'm going to really talk about um, units briefly. A unit is how they basically describe sales these days. So in the olden days, when me and you would go out to the shop and we'd buy an album. That the was... olden days, Henry. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not 100. <laughs> Back in 1902. <laughs> okay, okay. You go to HMV. The other week before the, the Gen Zs took over, um, one album sale um, equals 10 song downloads and 1,500 song streams. So we're going to try and talk about units, but basically we're going to talk so about songs. So if you just bought one now, then that equates to... The way they work it out is 10 song downloads and 1,500 song streams. So like for a download, you've got to pay for it, I think, don't you, Jess? You've got to pay, is it one ninety nine for a download? Whereas song streams, you pay a monthly fee. You can subscribe yes. or you can tolerate ads. I tolerate ads, So yeah. the unit has changed... Remarkably, yeah, it's like the much, whole much less. industries, yeah. yeah, you know, change. And let's say, for example, Mandy, you had a massive album, you might only earn 5p. I mean, it's, it's unlikely like it's, if it's, I had a massive album that I'd only earn 5p. <laughs> like, like, I think it was it was a Snoop Dogg who said that uh, he had a billion streams and Spotify paid him $45,000. So it's it's really changed. So it's, yeah. it's hard, it is hard. But we will talk about Fairy Tale of New York. And uh, this song, um, obviously, we're talking about it a lot this year uh, with Kirsty McCall. with uh, Shane McGowan um, dying, passing away uh, just a few weeks back. Uh, and this song was with um, singer-songwriter Kirsty McCall. Um, absolutely huge. It was released on the 23rd of November 1987. In Ian Dempsey upstairs in Today FM actually said that um, he got it on a now, that's what I call music album, before it was released as a single. So that was the only way they could get a hold of it. And there was a huge amount of fuss about it, but it didn't go to number one. Um, my favourite band... Um, 
is the Pet Shop Boys. I know John right, uh, yeah, doesn't yeah. respect me for this because they're not. No cool. one really respects um, you no, for that, Henry. Not a bad but always on my mind, which was a, was of was course an Elvis that knocked it off. This... In '87, uh, it didn't quite make it, but since then, it's done extremely well. I mean, it's done massively well. Um, uh, right now, I mean, we've it sold 1.2 million copies in the UK, uh, equivalent to 249,626 streaming sales. Um, it, it, it has been huge. It went uh, uh, platinum many times over, so something like 3 million album sales altogether. And it's been voted as the most played non-Carol Christmas song of the 21st century. Mm. And it has been also frequently cited as everyone's favorite Christmas song. It is, you could say, a modern classic. And, and hearing it there, it's so poignant, it's so moving. And in my program, Henry Henry's Christmas Cracker, tomorrow, we have the Ramparts coming in there. Oh, wow. A, a large band of 20 lads uh, um, who actually sing it for us uh, uh, live in, in the studio. That would be pretty special. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it's just so moving. Yeah, it is epic, isn't it, John? His voice. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just the greatest Christmas song ever. I don't think any Irish person thinks otherwise, really, do they? Yeah, no. And apparently, like, there's, there's all sorts of rumours there's even a documentary about it but it was almost happened on a bet or mm. a whim that he was goaded into writing a Christmas song that they didn't think he'd be able to do and it's such like you run out of cliches about it but it's trademark Shane McGowan the the dirt of a drunk tank and yet the beauty of yeah. the NYPD and that punk and kind of folk yeah. um, Irish style uh, a beautiful ballad and just it's it's a stunning song and it's it's last the test of time we'll be talking about this in 100 years time yeah one one really good thing about I think Shane McGowan and the Pogues is that seldom people know that they're so appreciated when they're alive but I think there was always that appreciation there for this song Jess yeah, wasn't there? Yeah. There was always such pride and it goes back to what we said earlier in the show about the music video mm. like that music video everything about it was just incredible and when Shane McGowan did pass away what I loved was on all the different social platforms there were all of the videos of the performances that himself and Kirsty gave of yeah. the song the live performances coming to the fore and for someone like me who like I was born in 89 so I wasn't around when the this song is was. just more bragging now sorry if I'm really young <laughs> um, no but I kind of obviously you know it but it wasn't ingrained I, I did I wasn't kind of coming of age when that song was huge or whatever it is it's not something that I'm massively nostalgic about but every time I see the video or even if I'm in a taxi and I hear the song mm. I can picture the video Henry it's incredible yes. you mentioned there that the Pet Shop Boys were yeah. were number one and that year and 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 that but this song has endured but that's a kind of characteristic of a lot of the Christmas songs are successful it takes them a long time to become number one it it does and we're going to talk about that and I'm just going to use this uh, I suppose moment to mention a a colleague uh, John O'Donovan a former producer a guy that gave me uh, my break in radio um, and he was buried uh, quite recently just the other day and the song I suppose reminds me of him because uh, like Shane McGowan, he loved a party. It's so intelligent, so bright, uh, and just had a light touch to him too. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to say um, to his family at uh, this difficult time, we're all thinking of you. Absolutely. Or yes, Jake, or our Annam. Um, John, yeah, just mentioning those other kind of songs from Christmas that kind of give us that nostalgic feeling. You know, you grew up in the 80s. Did you? 70s it, or 80s? It, was it? Very the much 60s, the 60s, actually. Very Mandy. much the 80s. What Christmas songs do you have for you? Oh, God. Well, I love, you see, it sounds like a kind of dark one, but I love John Lennon, War Is Over. Mm. Uh, so this is Christmas. Because, I don't know, I think like uh, uh, Fairy Tale in New York, a great Christmas song 
like a great love song there's a little edge to it mm-hmm. like my favourite Christmas song is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas whatever version you take because it's all this thing about you know what yesterday may have been absolutely terrible tomorrow the clouds may gather but you know what right now everything's happy let's just go with it. and I love where there's a bit of sour yeah. with sweet Jess what's your favourite Christmas song? So my favourite one I think myself is Baby Please Come Home uh, yeah. you know Christmas yeah. sing, it, sing it a bit it. there I'm not a singer and uh, <laughs> my fee doesn't cover that but uh, oh that, this is the one from you too is it that yeah. sounds like that um, yeah, wall of no, sound the, the feeling Ron, is it the Ronettes did it really yeah 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 I yeah. love that it's song wall of sound isn't it yeah, yeah. but the Phil song Spectre, yeah. that makes me think of Christmas the most is kind of what John was saying there it's a bit sad it's lonely this Christmas oh yeah not by Elvis no by it sounds else. like I think it's it'll be lonely is it Shaker Stevens or something I think it's mud it's mud yeah it's mud but that me, no. I don't know why. This is beginning to sound like we've had some wine. Can I just reassure <laughs> this? Half nine in the morning, we haven't. No, but that to me, I think, is just a lovely song. And I, I like when I think about the Christmas songs that were big when I was growing yeah. up. S Club mm. 7 Never Had a Dream Come True was horrific rem- and Westlife's uh, cover of the ABBA song I Have a Dream Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because Pete Waterman from Stockhaken and Waterman um, produced that and he said yeah. it was his favourite Christmas song It's horrific uh, Is that I Have a Dream? That's a Christmas song it, it's, they, it's they an released cover. it at they did oh, well, okay. number one I think in 2007 But they were the ones that we had growing up and They so were I awful I always go back to the to the old like the oldies no offence lads but the oldies when mm. you were young like uh, those kind of ones I just absolutely there is a shortage of, and it's not just old man shouts at cloud. There is a shortage of modern great Christmas classics. Yeah, is there anything? No, no, there, there, there is. You're right. I mean, but I, I'm going to before we get on to Mariah Carey, I will quickly talk about White Christmas because White Christmas is way back. It goes way back to 1940, and it was written by a guy called Irvin Berlin in California. And this is the interesting thing because a lot of these songs were written in the summer, uh, but. Uh, this particular song um, has actually uh, had 100 million units. Uh, so that, uh, basically, in, in real life, we're talking much bigger than that. Absolutely massive. And it's been re-released. It's been re-released over and over. One of the recordings got destroyed, and then he had to re-record um, yeah, it in 1947. Absolutely massive. But even if we go uh, from 1940 up to 1984, my favourite is Band-Aid, Do They Know It's Christmas. Oh, I love that song. I absolutely oh. love that. And I'm not a big uh, uh, Christmas pop um, fan at all. I admit, and I've said it uh, on the radio before, that that drone, that noise you hear in the supermarket is there deliberately to try and get you to shop. And when you're in the shops... This is the generic it, jingles. It's, it's, it's awful. And, and, you know, I worked in Argos in the back store and they had it on and it would drive me crazy. And so I, I, some of them I like, but I still like Band-Aid. And obviously uh, Band-Aid was Bob Geldof coming together with Major uh, from Ultravox. And they'd seen a BBC report of the famine in Ethiopia and they managed to get together Bono, Phil Collins, Boy George, George Michael, Simon Le Bon, Sting, Duran Duran and others. And all they want to do was to raise £70,000 and they ended up making £8 million. And then there was Band-Aid 2. I admit I bought that. In that was the Stock Aiken Warden. Yeah, yeah. Was, I like Stock Aiken Warden. And then Band Aid 20 that was just utter. Oh, I'm I didn't so know there was a Band Aid 20. Did you not like that one? No. And Bono's I on next, that, though. He's, he? in all, he's on all of them. And then there's, there was a 2014 one as well. Sure, Bono's everywhere. Bono's in the studio. Bono, where are you? He's coming away from him. Um, but no, I, I, I have to say, I absolutely loved it. And the fact that it helped out. Ethiopia so much and you're right there isn't enough I mean one of you said here in studio um, where are the modern songs and there aren't many at all there really isn't many but Mariah Carey 
Mariah Carey. I love um, yeah. this one, yeah, it's and good. And this is 1994, and we're calling it modern. So, uh, you know, it's it's nearly 2024, so that's 30 years ago nearly. Uh, and uh, they were trying to go, you know, we mentioned Phil Spector. Uh, John mentioned F Phil Spector from the 60s. They were going for that type sound. Uh, and when it was first released, uh, you know, the, the album charts in America were quite complicated. It was on the Billboard Hot Adult Contemporary. Uh, and it made number six, and it didn't do that well, and it took a while uh, for it actually to start doing well, and I think what really helped it was streaming. Streaming mm. really helped, and then it started to do well. So it went number one um, in uh, different years. It went to number one in 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. Another one of those then um, that, that kind of came out, it was a slow burner, and then repeatedly number one, Years after was was um, Wham's Last Christmas, John. I know you're a big George Michael fan. Yeah, this one of yours, yeah, fan. yeah. It's not about you. Do you know, there's a gorgeous version of that which I'll be playing on my own screen time special tomorrow from twelve to one. Just if Henry's late, but I'm going. There's a great version. You know that uh, now defunct TV show TFI Friday with Chris Evans. Yeah, yeah. your man you James. Me the, of Chris, by the way, James. Thank you, Dude, James. Does he? Yeah, the glasses. I'll tell you something really. I'll tell you really something funny. Right? Do you want to hear something really funny? Yeah, about please that? tell us. My wife met me for the first night, blah, blah, blah. They woke up the next morning. She was in her friend's house. She said, I met this guy last night. He's like Brad Pitt with glasses. And my friend said, you mean more like Chris Evans? That's what her friend said. There you go. Let's move on. But your, your wife is very kind, isn't she? Has Emer got glasses now? <laughs> or like? So on TFI Friday, they got yep. James Dean Bradfield to do a version of it. Oh, right. Okay. And it's just him and a guitar. And it's beautiful. And the reason why I mention is you realise what a gifted songwriter George Michael was. Yes. He gets discarded sometimes for fluffy pop. Oh, it's absolutely. It's very hard to write no. one a Christmas song and good a two pop song. Yeah, can no, he's an incredible songwriter and an incredible singer. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, Jess. Can we tell people to watch the Wham! documentary on Netflix? Oh, yes. it's absolutely oh, there's brilliant absolutely over nothing yeah. on terrestrial TV over mm -hmm. the next few days. I've checked. There's nothing on. <laughs> Go to Netflix and put on that Wham! documentary if you haven't watched it already. You, you reviewed that, that, didn't you, John? I spoke to the director as well. Yeah, oh. uh, yeah on my wow. show. No, you haven't time. mentioned that before. Julia Roberts. No, <laughs> sorry, I coughed there. I got George Clooney. What? I was just trying to be nice and sincere. But Jess, is, in fairness, right. you're the only one not trying to plug your own show here, yeah. Jess. I don't need to plug my. Good girl. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I have made a few plugs. We're like doing all. No, no, absolutely. Um, if you want to knock yourself out, it's Christmas, Christmas Eve. Go ahead. Uh, Christmas morning. But yeah, on last Christmas, in 1984, it didn't get to number one that year because obviously a Band Aid got in the way. 9.1 million units. So again, that is one album sale equals 10 song downloads and 1,500 songs. Wow. So a lot. And this particular tune, again, was written in George Michael's childhood bedroom. That's in the documentary. Uh, and um, his parents, uh, you know... Um, weren't in the house at the time and this is it we write Christmas songs when I say we I don't write Christmas songs but, but one writes <laughs> that's Christmas right one now in, in the middle of summer uh, which I love uh, and, and again the Americans were quite slow to this it wasn't uh, released uh, there till 2014 believe it or not mm. um, but again it, it's the UK's favourite. They absolutely love this song and uh, th there's even um, a competition uh, where people are trying not to listen to it until Christmas Day uh, and I'm going to try and remember the name of it. I think it's uh, Wamarama, uh, and the idea is that you deliberately don't listen to it and if you do you're out of the competition but this song is a beautiful beautiful tune. It really is lovely and, and it, it keeps going to number one in the UK. Here in Ireland it goes to number one too uh, but it's massive 
and I just love the music video. They drink in the music video in real life. They're actually drunk uh, when they're filming it. Yeah, no, and, they, I, and it's it's wonderful. It's like Jess said, those music videos as well, so iconic at that time. Anyway, look, America has Bing Crosby and Mariah Carey. We have Shane and Kirsty, and it's not a bad uh, pairing. So remembering Shane McGowan this Christmas again. Um, so. We're going to take a short break now. I'm still in studio here with John Fardy, Henry McKean and Jess Kelly. But we'll be back after the break to talk about what made it big at the box office at Christmas. You welcome back to this special edition of Taking Stock and I'm here in studio with Jess Kelly and Henry McKean and John Fardy and we're looking at the best of the best at Christmas. We've looked at the best selling toys, we've looked at the best selling music and now it's the turn of movies. So we're going to turn to our music aficionado, John Fardy. John, so we're going to talk now about the highest grossing in the box office. So it's not necessarily what we're sitting watching on our sofas um, but cinema's big at this time of the year, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Now you referred to me as music aficionado that might have been did a Freudian I? slip because I'm but you are also and you, you, and you play the piano did you want to mention I, that I'm, can I mention it again yeah I mention that again bearable isn't it <laughs> on the piano I'm and done. just in life generally cinema is a big thing at Christmas particularly in the States there's a whole tradition of going there Christmas Day and Stephen's Day or whatever they call it and now, particularly in Ireland, those weird days between Christmas and New Year's, the box office does very well. At the moment, Wonka, which I was very surprised about, is actually very good. I think that's going to get a lot of families going. You know, in the is it worth going to see? It is. And I was totally against it. Not to go off script here. Mm. Totally mm. against it. Because why mess it, with what, is it? But it does But is it, is it, it's not a remake, really. No, it's, it's a prequel an, or it's something. It's an origin from, story yeah. of Willy Wonka. Origin but story. But Timothy Chalamet is actually very good in it. The music is delightful. The scene stealer is Hugh Grant playing an oh, old I love Lumpa. Hugh. I love he's him, yeah. He's just absolutely <laughs> fantastic. He's very funny, isn't he? He's great. And, playing and he's grumpy in this. Yeah. And in a way, that's... Counter. Perfect thing for him. Well, he is kind of grumpy and charming in equal measure in real life, it seems. You know, yeah. All those but he's not hookers on the Sunset Strip and stuff. But he's been playing that foppish, sort of, yeah. you know, lovely English gent. Yeah, I think he's definitely moved on from that. I yeah, think he has. no, he's yeah. having a, a, a an old renaissance, career, sort renaissance of, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, but yes, cinema is big. The thing at Christmas, but the thing about Christmas movies is. They're a special breed in that I find, and I wonder how your distinguished panel feel, is that your normal critical faculty, you kind of leave it at the door or something mm. because it's a, it's a Christmas it's movie, Christmas. right? So we're looking at some of the ones that were, you know, the most uh, profitable. The sixth, I think it is, if I'm not wrong, is Love Actually, right? Which I've never seen. Million, right? Mm. Have you not? Never. Ah. It's not the world's greatest movie. In fact, you might even say in part, it's kind of crap. It's softy. That said... It's a great kind of Christmas. It just looks bitsy. They're just bits of stories. But they're great bits of stories. And the one bit that I love the most is Bill Nye. Oh, I love it. Plays this kind of washed up rock star. And they take the song Love Is All Around Me. That was supposedly his hit. That's why. And he reworks it to Christmas Is All Around Me. And he's just in interviews going, we just really raced it so I can make loads of money. He sounds like Cliff Richard. I'm lonely. I, I messed up my life. I just need my... It's hilarious. And is that like, the song? So is that the song then that Marty Pello and yeah. Wet, yes, Wet, Wet, exactly. and it was a number one forever yes. and then they grew yeah. to hate it because yeah. of it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's clever things in it and there's also Hugh Grant in it. It's a daft storyline where he's 
the Prime, Prime Minister and he falls in love with Martina McCutcheon and calls around to her house. But as a cri- if you watch it in July, it's atrocious. If you watch I it might today, give it a go. It's not the Do worst thing. Do you think it's good, Jess? I think it's good, but it's one of those ones that hasn't aged very well. And not to be the damp rag in the room, but even Richard Curtis, who wrote the film and directed the film, has said that, you know, there's some regrets about... It's, sorry, it's not yeah. PC, is it's it? Not that it's not PC. It's just mm. that there's bits of it, there's gaps in it, and you're like, ah, come on. Oh. But the Bill Nye, the, when he's recording, it's the best start to a movie. Like, I was laughing out loud within 30 seconds of the movie starting. And there are very poignant moments. The big thing that I know everybody is shouting at the radio right now is Alan Rickman's character. Mm buys a necklace. He's married to Emma Thompson. I saw this clip and maybe this oh, is what put me off the whole no, thing. it kills me. Yeah. And every time I think of Joni Mitchell, Joni it just Mitchell. makes me want to cry. Moving along with this cheery little discussion, <laughs> what else has been big at the box office at Christmas, John? <laughs> well, another big Christmas movie, which I'm delighted to see in the list because I don't think it gets the attention it deserves. Coming in on a staggering if I'm not reading this wrong, $315 million is the Polar Express. Oh, I love this. Good. Now, here's the problem yeah, I have slightly with. Yeah, backstory. My kids, I sit them down and they're, they're just not into it for really? some And I think it's delightful. All about My this boy who's taken to the, yeah. the North Pole. Maybe they just don't like the cold. Polar and Express. There's a name for it. Is it what's called Uncanny Valley? Yeah. Yeah. And Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks plays yeah. the, the train conductor. And I think the animation is gorgeous in it. That did really well, yeah. really, really well at the box office. But for some reason, my kids aren't. I, I think it's actually... But it is a little bit creepy in a way because it was the first type of technology they used. Yeah. And we use that CGI all the time. Mm. Back then, yeah. it was brand new. It was and people were dogs. really realistic. And I think that freaks Maybe, out. maybe. It's just a strange and hybrid. A little bit creepy. And as you said, Tom Hanks, what did he play? Like eight characters, ten characters? Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah. beautifully done, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah, Absolutely yeah. Beautiful. And it screams, it screams Christmas. No, it, it didn't do well at the time, it but it's now well. one of the highest ranking Christmas movies. Come here, John, can I ask you this? Is, is, is on your list there, in your Santa's little list of things that went well, the Muppets Christmas Carol. Is oh. that on your wow. best? Oh, wow. It is. Because that is Jess oh, Kelly's favourite. I think it's your favourite movie. Never my favourite movie. Not even world. Christmas movie. No, I'd watch that in July. It makes my heart Why? so happy. It's I just funny, know. is it? It's funny. It's cute. Have you seen songs. it? It's on over Christmas. The Radio Times gave it five I've thoughts. watched it three times already. Have you, you know what's seen? so great about it? Because the Scrooge thing is that he's miserable and then at the end he's joyous okay. and with the possible exception of Bill Murray because I'm a massive Bill Murray yeah. fan Michael Caine oh, is yeah, brilliant yeah, at doing yeah. that Christmas we'll have no Christmas and then at the end like hugging strangers and all that and Michael Caine's brilliant isn't he anyway and anything he does Scrooge though Bill Murray that's my favourite iteration of the Scrooge and who's the Scrooge in here in News Talk so Mandy you had another <laughs> That is terrible. I'm... Happy Christmas, everybody. <laughs> yeah, and now we're really, we really are a News Talk family. It's about to yeah, kick off really here. Things, yeah. I'll give you a few more, can I? Knock yourself out. Well, no, just because the ones might surprise you that are in the top 10, because some of these weren't big at the time, but Elf. Oh, yeah, I love, love that. Elf. Will Ferrell. So the well. previous guest on Screen Time. Is that what you're going to say? Don't remind me. Of that. oh, course. Screen Time, is that on tomorrow? Is it yeah, tomorrow it is. the next uh, day? Uh, oh my God, it's getting yeah, embarrassing yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... A surprise kind of hit that's grown and grown and grown, Elf, where he mm. plays Bunny the Elf who comes to work in a department store and is raised by elves. Who Will would that Fer- be in News Talk then? Uh, yeah, maybe. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. definitely. Uh, people say I'm Mr. Christmas. I'm not. But I do, I do love that movie. I do love Elf. I just think it's fantastic. I watched it when it came out and I laughed out loud 
in the cinema and I still love it. It is Santa, brilliant. I know it's, him. I know him. So stupid. It's actually His Dave best. Moore upstairs' favourite movie. Not just Christmas really? movie, but favourite movie of all time. I'm which, not surprised. It's, you know, it's, it's fantastic. It is, it is very, very it is, And he's brilliant. Doing that gormless, deliriously happy, occasionally titanically sad, Will mm. Ferrell does it better. Than, and it's funny because like looking at the box office hits yeah. and the numbers and all that, it's a bit like the Christmas songs. Some of them are kind of slow burn come back again and then they make it. Well, I don't want to, you know, spoil it, but let's, en route to the end, right? So we have to mention this movie. (laughs) Marv! Harry? Where the hell did you take your shoes off? Why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? I'm up here, you morons! Come and get me! (laughs) You guys give up? Oh yeah, thirsty for more. That is Home Alone, obviously, right? Huge hit as well as a huge kind of Christmas adored one. And the thing about that is the second one, Lost in New York, was slightly more successful. Now the rest of them the second one more. went down the hill, but the second one is actually a very good one. Now I rewatched it this year. The other two aren't, but the second one well, the is the new good. one on Netflix. The new is one quite on good. D- Disney, but anyway. Oh, sorry, they, thank you very they, much. Uh, they, they, they get funny about soon. that kind of stuff. So I'm just trying. They'll to be on to John. Yeah, that was Henry McKean. <laughs> just to clarify, nice people was it in Disney? Disney. Was it? I enjoyed yeah, that. No, it was Disney. Uh, it was good. But sorry, I rewatched the first one about a week ago with the family, mm. and I hate to say this, but the fact that she forgot him just seems. But she had lots of children. Two and another child got into the. Jess, what do you think here is? So I only saw Home Alone for the first time the other day. Oh, Stop yeah. it. Way. My friend Colin Vuig told me to watch it. So no, in preparation it. for this show, clearly, Obviously. Jess, that's what you were doing. What did you think? But then I, it was Grant. I, I don't Grant. have the attention span for movies, but I then went on uh, social media and did a bit of a deep dive. And it turns out there's a snippet in the movie where they cut to the bin and you see Kevin's ticket in the bin and that's how she forgot him. Is that, they didn't have the teeth. I, I hadn't heard that, but I never knew that. It's that type of movie. So how did they, there's all these theory? Like yeah, is that exactly. they're not? That's not an Easter egg. Is it? no, that's their different. Well, apparently thing. it is though. Yeah, apparently it is an Easter egg. That if you blink and you miss it. See, John, I didn't actually know that. that but you is know, an amazing little fun. And sorry, by the way, I got that slightly wrong. Home Alone two made slightly less, less than, than Home Alone. Yeah, it was still they're still, still respectively massive. two in the top ten. Of but Joe movie. Pesci in that movie, like yeah, he's exactly. and, and I don't know, had he done My Cousin Vinny at that stage, or was that? He yeah, he done that, it. and he had done Goodfellas. Good, oh, he definitely yeah, done Goodfellas. So that was that's what made me laugh. Was like. Yeah. You know, because I Goatfellas is one of my favourite movies of all time. Yeah, it's and great. Yeah, it's go to work. As the cop at the start of the movie, it's just, it, it's an enjoyable one. Henry, what's your favourite Christmas movie? Do you have one? Oh, my favourite Christmas movie. It's probably Die Hard. Now, I, this is brilliant. I watched Die Hard Stop. the other day again. I want to ask you, Since before you talk about it, Jess, is it a Christmas movie? I've not seen it. Okay, that's ridiculous. <laughs> wow. Is it a Christmas movie? I would say so, but Bruce Willis says no. Okay, uh, sorry, Henry, I interrupted you there. Tell me why you a, love I it. I think it's a Christmas movie. I definitely think. Is it on the list? It's, it's, not, it's not. It's not in the top ten. And again, I mean, the critics at the time didn't like it. They, mm. they were critical of it, as critics are. I'm sure John was critical of it back in the day. John's but, critical of everything. It, 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 it was so warm because you had the superhero who was like me, slightly overweight, just a <laughs> random guy, wasn't wearing That's terrible. Shoes. Um, well, he, well, obviously, Bruce Willis wasn't overweight, but he was in the 80s because everyone in the 80s was so skinny. But it, it Finish was, your thought, Henry. It was, <laughs> we'll get there. It's Christmasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it was just 
a brilliant film and it's just a big shoot 'em up movie. It is Christmas because it's set at Christmas and actually watching it again, his wife, what's his wife? Holly. Again? Holly. Holly. She, when I watched it in the 80s, I thought she was a bitch. I thought, what a wagon. And then I watched it again and went, hang on a second. She's not a bitch. He's an asshole. Yeah. And it's amazing how... Welcome to maturity, Henry. Because he finally realised it's not you. ...who abandoned his wife to LA because she had a career and he didn't want to support her and that was wrong. But no, it was... He does just, save her, though. He do, it was... It was and, the, and, the, and, the, and the baddie, the baddie was... Alan Rickman. Alan, yeah, Alan, Alan Rickman, Rickman was... Brilliant. He was I mean, brilliant in it, wasn't he? Came he came here yeah. into News Talk when he was alive. Maybe his ghost is still here. Because anyway, he came into he came into News Talk, and I'm like, I can hear Alan Rickman. I turn around, it's Alan Rickman in the building. Sorry, uh, if we're doing celebrity name drops. No, sorry, I, I, sorry, I think it was probably on your show. But we should just we should, name can, we, can we move on? Just can I just John finish on, on the diehard to anything? Second, though. There is. Can we move on from John there to anything? Is a theory that it is a secret remake of It's a Wonderful Life. Now, I don't necessarily subscribe wow, did to not it, know that. But the idea that it's this man trying to write himself. Yeah, I can know? see the parallels a little yeah. bit. Like, I can. And look, those old movies, the black and white ones, like It's a Wonderful Life, mm. the stuff that's on Christmas TV, but you wouldn't necessarily watch it any other time of the year. What, John, constitutes a movie that you know, we kind of always look at at Christmas. Like, The Sound of Music, that's always on at Christmas. Yeah, and has absolutely nothing to do with Christmas. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which really doesn't have anything to do with Christmas. But It's a Wonderful Life for me is probably the great Christmas movie of all time, even though, although Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, that's, that's my lovely. Favorite. That's what I was going to mention. Is it? Yeah. I love yeah, but, well, Indiana Jones. Sorry. Yeah. That's a Christmas yeah well, you know, to an extent. But uh, It's a Wonderful Life the success of that, it's not on this list and it should be just, it didn't make the box office, but the life it's had is bizarre. Mm. That No one expected that to do anything, but then it came out in this post-war American time. Then it was shown on TCM in the 80s, late at night, and it's become this kind of cult thing. And when you watch it now, Christmas doesn't really feature until right towards the end, but it has an adrenaline shot of Christmas like no other movie. Oh, that's when he's running through. It's a hard watch. And then it he, is a hard watch. He, he, he reunites it's a hard watch. with the family it is. and the angel gets his wings and all that you know and you like Miracle why do you like that I like the one because the it, new one is it the newer yeah. one the court case though, isn't it the girl well no but it's the, with the girl who also played Matilda it just makes she's brilliant I just love have it have you seen the original uh, yeah I've seen the original but I love this one Richard because Hatton. she had a fringe and I had a fringe I still have a fringe is that fringe. why you have a fringe and I, still yeah and so you're like a little Christmas just so cute and I remember the first time I went to New York I was so underwhelmed by everything except Macy's really and I was like uh, I'm on 34th Street oh wow this is where Santa is and it just every time I watch it it brings me back to being like seven or eight years old watching it and yeah. I like a comfort blanket it yeah yeah a yeah a lovely lovely movie no, it is. And there's nothing like it, is there, John? Then, like, I know going out to the cinema and seeing something like Christmas when you're bored out of your trolley at home and yes. you want to get out and do something, sitting down with the popcorn and seeing that as an experience going to cinemas, it's great, isn't it, at Christmas? Absolutely. I meant to say, though, I didn't give you what was the most... Oh, yeah. Sorry. A ...lucrative film that's mm. earned the most over 500 million. This is really surprising. The Grinch. Yeah, now can I say... Animated one from five years ago. Can I, can I just say something about the box office numbers on this? And I know, look, if this is a business show normally, but, um, but we don't want to spend time talking about that. But in a similar way, we spoke to Henry about how, you know, we listen to music has changed and that, that changes the numbers. That makes Bing Crosby and all the people who used to sell records like Brenda Lee did really well. In the same way, those classics like um, It's a Wonderful Life and yeah. Miracle... 
they didn't have the box office because they didn't have the volume. So they're not going to hit these lists in the way that we no. see the now, Grinch and Home Alone. they are adjusted for inflation and all those factors. But even that, this is without question the highest grossing film at the box office. So this is the animated, take me the through what this is. The animated one and it's the Grinch with his dog good, and all. It. It's, yeah, it is very good. Is it? But it is kind of surprising that it's the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time. It was released in the cinema and has had this crazy other life mm. On, on streaming, streaming. platforms, mm. incredibly, uh, to a point that I think even executives are scratching their head about and are desperate. Any, so you as an expert, what do you think it I is? I think it's very good. It is a really decent Christmas movie, but I still don't necessarily get why it's that. The animation is lovely and it's very Christmassy, but it's kind of a head scratcher. It's not the greatest Christmas movie ever made for kids or adults. So I'm not giving you a very good answer. I'm not sure, but that definitely is the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time. Well, look, guys, um, thank you very much for that, John. And thanks to all of you. I found it uh, fascinating, frustrating and funny (laughs) in equal measure. Um, But just my thanks to Jess Kelly, to Henry McKean and to John Fardy for coming in today and taking us through all of those um, issues today. Uh, We've really enjoyed having a chat about it. Um, That's it for this episode of Taking Stock. We hope that you've enjoyed this Christmas special. A big thanks to the producer of Taking Stock, who's also here, John Fardy. Have a fantastic Christmas, everyone, and enjoy your time off. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of your Christmas Eve and have a great Christmas. And I'm going to play out with the top selling song of all time at Christmas. It's White Christmas. Christmases be worth